0: Thank you for downloading the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com. Thank
1: you for downloading
0: the PR Week, PR Week's weekly podcast. For more podcasts as well as breaking news, visit PRWeek.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week, going to guide you through the show. And we have such a special guest this week, listeners, you are going to be really spoiled. It's Alison Weisbrot, who's our colleague and editor of our sister title, Campaign US. Alison, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
0: Hello. Well, uh, thank you for having me. I'm
1: great. Good to have you on the show. You joined Haymarket September last year and you're doing an absolutely amazing job on campaign. Really rejuvenated it, got the energy going, doing a fantastic job. So we're going to find out a bit about that, what's going on at campaign and the big issues over there. And we've got our regular correspondent, executive editor of PR Week,
2: Frank Washgook. How you doing, Frank? I'm doing great. I'm hanging in there. Alison, yeah. thanks for joining us. Alison does a terrific uh, weekly column that everybody should check out on She does, uh, which just US. goes
1: to... Just goes to prove that young people can write longer, full pieces. I've always said that. Frank, how about you? Well,
2: yeah, we have a real uh, exceptional case here where she writes a a (laughs) great column every week. uh, And this week's is on the Super Bowl. And you should check it out. Not that I would ever direct readers away from our site, but um, you should check it out. Well, Well, thank you, guys.
1: It is very good, and we'll talk about that. That's why we've got Alison on, uh, because Super Bowl week, obviously the biggest week in the marketing calendar, and uh, it was a very different one this year. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about Clubhouse. Everyone's talking about Clubhouse, so uh, we'll talk about that. IPG released its financials. So did Anero, um, the Australian holding company that owns some PR firms. David Hogg, former communicator of the year, he's uh, launching a My Pillow rival. We'll find out about that. Wouldn't be a podcast without talking about some big social media stories. So Wendy's and Weetabix and how the Aunt Jemima rebrand went down. And the biggest story of the week, what you've all been waiting for, the update on the inauguration. So, uh, yes, how did Major Biden do? Uh, We'll get to that. But first, Alison, let's talk to you. Came into the job uh, in September last year and you came over from AdExchanger, where you've been covering a lot of MarTech and um, now covering the whole gamut of creativity. How's it been for you? And what's been the biggest trends you've seen that you've been writing about a campaign over the past six months?
0: It's been great. You know, I love covering this industry. It's so dynamic and interesting and tied to everything that's going on in culture. Um, So to be able to cover it from a broader perspective has been really fun and interesting. Um, And I think for me, some of the biggest and... Most important trends that I feel like we've been covering are diversity and inclusion, which is not a trend. It's more of just something that absolutely needs to be better in this industry and brand purpose and and brands sort of stepping in and being a force for good in society when, you know, our, our country really, I think, was lacking that for a little bit. Yeah. And then, you know, all of the interesting things happening in media and new platforms launching like Clubhouse, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, we're always keeping a keeping a, keeping an eye on those things as well.
1: Yeah, it's uh, you've launched a media newsletter every two weeks and a marketing technology newsletter because Martech like a hundred billion dollar industry and um, is is very important these days for the whole industry. And media continues to be a massive part of the of the uh, environment. Although you know, it's it's younger people are accessing. Media in different ways, aren't they? So we'll we'll talk about that during the Super Bowl because it was it was much more of a streaming event this year. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah, the old sort of adage about advertising: do, do people still watch advertising, or are they trying to escape it? You know, how's the industry coping with that and and sort of moving on and to to maybe including more social and and owned media and and earned media even? You know, there's the lines between PR and advertising are, are graying, aren't they?
0: Yeah, they definitely are. Um, you know, I think that there is a problem where consumers are becoming more averse to advertising, and it's sort of this like big elephant in the room, in, room driving all kinds of pressure in the industry. But I think, you know, agencies and brands have been, you know, remarkably resilient about it as well and sort of changing the way that they even approach campaigns and creative briefs to sort of pull in earned and owned and paid and think more from a consumer perspective rather than like a channel perspective or a transactional perspective. And that's kind of just like flipping the whole way that work gets done on its head. Um, So it's really interesting to watch, but um, you're right that there is a huge shift towards ad-free platforms, um, particularly on television. Um, So I think that that's going to be something where brands have to get really creative to breakthrough and and connect with their consumers um we're seeing really interesting examples of that in terms of brands and agencies launching their own content studios and you know documentaries and original series where they're not so like heavy-handed in their advertising approach and more just supporting and in the background um so it's it's going to be interesting to watch how how it all continues to evolve for sure and we'll be covering it (laughs)
1: Yeah, absolutely, plenty to write about, and we've got our Brand Film Awards, haven't we, which we work on with you across PR Week campaign and medical marketing and media because brand films, branded content is a big part of the uh, communications pantheon now, and we want to celebrate the all the best films and best brand films out there. We've got the first deadline for that next week, actually, so make sure you've got your – um Best work involved, but they've evolved too, haven't they? And they they're very much more integrated into all the other elements of the marketing process.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that the big like thirty thousand foot change that's happening is that you can't really think about anything in a bucket anymore. Like you can't think about branded content versus advertising versus PR versus media. Like it's all sort of starting with how does one person experience media across all of their different screens and how can brands show up in a way that's helpful and uh not annoying
1: (laughs) yeah uh, well said um tell us about your team um got a a good team small but perfectly formed and and you know we're we're scrappily doing some great work over there and, and some of the initiatives you've introduced as well
0: yeah, we have definitely a small but scrappy and awesome team. Um we have Mariah Cooper is our associate editor. She joined us from Us Weekly. So she has a background covering entertainment, celebrities, pop culture. Um and at Campaign, she's been managing all of our creative work coverage and doing a really good job with um making sure we are highlighting all of the work that comes out. We have a new out of the week contest on our Instagram channel where we have our our followers voting on their favorite ads um for that week and then they get a write up on the site and which goes out in our creative email every week which is cool. She's also covering uh media and um entertainment companies. Um and then we have Sabrina Sanchez who is fresh out of college and you know hungry and awesome and um she's also actually working across campaign and PR week which you both know (laughs) uh, but for our listeners and
1: And former guest on the podcast when she was interning with us actually a couple of years ago so yeah very impressive young woman and uh, covering the sort of youth beat gen z and youth marketing
0: yes yes and um I think she'll have a really interesting perspective on the industry as paid and earned sort of do come more together I think she's like right in the forefront of that um so
1: what's coming up what have you got planning planned what other things are you looking to launch and uh you've got a few events on the go as well (laughs) as we know from our brand meetings just a few (laughs) um
0: yeah well you already mentioned our our media and martech newsletters which are going to go out uh bi-weekly with a little bit of analysis mixed with some of our own coverage and you know the idea there is to just Expand and broaden our coverage of the industry. Uh, campaign has historically focused a lot on the creative side, which we want to continue to do, but we also want to show that we're covering the industry, you know, holistically. Um, and uh, not to steal your thunder, guys, but we are launching our own podcast. <laughs> um, it's going to be called
1: Sam. We thought we had the monopoly on that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, so it's called Campaign Chemistry, a play on the chemistry sessions that take place during pitches. But um
1: nice.
0: yeah, we're gonna be interviewing um sort of big executives and trendsetters and noise makers, I guess, in the industry. <laughs> <laughs> um just about, you know, them and and what they're interested in and what's top of mind for them. So um that's exciting. We have in a couple of weeks uh a virtual event uh focused on technology and media and Martech coming up called Tech Talks. Um so that's going to cover, you know, e-commerce, shift to streaming, a lot of really interesting topics and speakers there. have um,
1: you got your female frontiers. Um, yes. We've we got had, some awards, tech awards.
0: Yeah, we have um, female frontiers, uh, our annual awards program celebrating the awesome women in this industry, Um Trailblazing the way. So our, our honorees list just came out. We're celebrating our agency of the year honorees in a couple of weeks. And we just launched a media awards. So media agencies, media owners, um, and um sort of staking our claim in that side of the business.
1: Yeah, and it's uh important to note that campaign is the largest B2B brand in this space in the world, actually, um especially in Europe and Asia. So going to end up being the number one in the States as well, I think, under Allison's leadership, there's only one way to go. So great stuff. We're looking forward to working with you more, Alison, and um, you've been doing a great job and look forward to seeing what you make of that. Let's yeah. get into the news stories now. Frank, the Super Bowl this year, a bit of an unusual one. Um, there was a crowd. I couldn't believe some of the social distancing, really, or lack of. Um, and I wasn't just talking about the cardboard people; I was talking about the real people. Um, but what did you make of it, and what did you make of the the ads and the buzz and the marketing and the just the whole event this year?
2: So I, I do think that uh, the NFL deserves a lot of credit, and that they are the only league that played every game of their schedule this year, uh, and that's that's really a. Huge accomplishment on their part. Uh, I agree with you. I think the lack of social distancing at the stadium in Tampa was, uh, pretty bad, pretty bad. And, uh, you know, when you see the governor of Florida there without a mask on it, uh, it's not exactly a a profile in leadership for sure. But that being said, I mean, I, I thought, um, you know, I, I think the game obviously went in a completely different direction than anybody thought it would. Uh, I thought the ads were, Okay, I thought some were good, some were bad. I didn't really feel like there was one that was like legendary or like a stand out you know Hall of Fame ad this year. I thought it was kind of lacking that. I do think there were some interesting social activations happening uh around that you know the the flat Matthew McConaughey thing uh and some others but i i I was not blown away by the ads this year. I'm interested in what Allison thinks.
1: Yeah, I mean, one lesson is uh, if you're going to choose a big celebrity to front your car ad, don't choose one that's got a drunk driving um, court case uh, in the works and that's going to uh, come out two days after the Super Bowl. That was, that was really not doing due diligence, was it, Alison? Uh, that's obviously Bruce Springsteen and the G Pad.
0: Yeah, that was that's an interesting was, thing, too. I'm sorry. I was going to say that was a little bit of a mess, um, you know, kind of one of those you really have to cross all your t's and dot your yeah, i's
1: no. well, yeah. actually all you had to do was put a search in google because <laughs> i mean there was a story about the incident from last november and uh, it wasn't really that difficult so it really ruined the whole i don't know if bruce is going to give back his fee for that or whether he maybe he did it for, for well i'm sure he didn't do it for, for, not, for not a fee but i, I thought uh, the g
2: was really was really lame anyway
1: yeah. I thought it was it, it was just it
2: was shockingly an, safe. It yeah.
1: a, but it was interesting in that it was one of the few, Frank, it was one of the few ads this year that really majored on purpose, wasn't it? Whereas we've been used to a total purpose fest for the last couple of Super Bowls. But I think people maybe maybe were just looking for a bit more fun this year.
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think Unity was a big theme this year. I'm not sure how many folks did it well i think humor was good when it was done right i i thought the ad with tracy morgan was just terrific and i think was the the best ad of the the entire broadcast um and of course there were a number of big brands that didn't go in on an ad this year uh that chose to do other things instead now we've talked we've talked about budweiser on the podcast before and, and that's kind of a it's a little bit of an unfair example because while you know Budweiser didn't have an ad, all kinds of other Bud brands did have ads, so they were kind of uh, there in a way. And we've talked about how Twitter, we've written about how Twitter had the most buzzed about ad uh, during the entire broadcast, even though they. What about the getting buy. the
1: guy to to take over their Twitter account? How did that work out? Did
2: you think? Well, well, so okay, so with Pepsi, they they didn't air an ad per se but they sponsored the halftime show
1: so of course you
2: know that drove a lot of buzz on social media um so yeah sorry what was yeah. your question uh, well I yeah, was.
1: Think- uh, yeah go on alison well, well gonna- you actually wrote a brilliant blog uh about uh, the lack of diversity among the directors it's shocking really that there were out of what 87 ads only three were by women which is Mm, unbelievable, and um, I think five by people that could be described as diverse. Talk a a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was just – it was obviously just a reflection of how far the industry has to go in terms of getting diversity behind the camera because it's never going to show up in front of the camera if you have the same people concepting these ads, shooting them, directing them, thinking of the jokes, and – you know the humor behind them. Um so it was really interesting for me to you know I was on Twitter the whole game and um most of the tweets were like about the ads this was funny this was stupid whatever but there was this um the 3% conference did for the 8th year they did their 3% Super Bowl tweet up where you know they kind of like flood your feed with um What's going on from a diversity standpoint in the ads, and and that just really caught my attention. Um, so I decided to to blog about that, and I think they really had a point. Like I think, um, you know, the Bud Light commercial, uh, the fact that all of their spokespeople have been men um, for the past however many years really stood out in that commercial. Um, I think that most of the leads, I think that there was like at least three times as many male comedians and, and actors in the ads uh, as females. So and the females were mostly taking like secondary roles. So I think while, you know, nothing was like overtly offensive about any of the ads, like you really could see sort of who's behind the scenes.
1: Um. Yeah, I think it was only Amy Schumer and Maya Rudolph who were actually the sort of stars, if you like, of ads. Yep, Um, which is it was a bit of a Saturday Night Live reunion with people like Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. You mentioned Tracy Morgan, Will Ferrell. But um, did you feel
2: that the or or is there are there any stats to back this up that the the general makeup of people within the Super Bowl ads was more or less or evenly diverse as it has been in years past?
0: um, I think it depends how you slice. Diversity. Um, sure. I don't. I don't know about years past, but I. I did. I do think they had better. A lot of representation of black uh, men in the ads. I, I think. Um, but I've heard conversations about lack of Hispanic diversity, um, mm. you know, gender diversity. So I think, and that's sort of what the industry is struggling with right now. Unfortunately, is like the intersectionality of this issue and how it's not just you know, one type of person that makes something diverse.
1: Yeah, those uh, Michael B. Jordan and um, Drake were were in answer. What did you make of the... Well, first of all, Alison, how much is it, in, is it down to clients to say to their agencies, look, you need to have diverse talent on your teams. Otherwise, you're not going to work on our business because that's the only way this is going to change, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it comes down to clients because at the end of the day, as much as agencies... If want to make these changes, if they want to make these changes, like at the end of the day, they're they're gonna do what the client says because that's how they get their their business and their money, and that's who they're serving. Um, so I think even if they have the best intentions, the clients are the ones who have to step in, and there are brands who do set you know diversity benchmarks for their agency teams, and I think that's sort of really it's it's got to be like a top down effort, or else it's never gonna happen.
1: Yeah. Okay, let me throw a few ads at the two of you and see what your reactions are. The Alexa ad, Michael B. Jordan, was it sexist, Allison?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it was. I think it was um, actually the opposite of sexist because you don't usually see, like, male, male sexualized like that in ads. It's usually the female. So... I think it was almost like this is how it feels <laughs>
1: for <Yeah>. us. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't universally w- well received, was it? I mean, there were some interesting placements of the Amazon logo, which took on a different uh, concept when you're in the creative. Anyway, we won't go into that too much. But uh, yeah. yeah, I actually
0: thought the weirdest part was like sexualizing a device.
1: But. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it didn't didn't work 100% for sure. Frank, the Reddit ad, the 5-second ad, that was interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, uh
2: yeah, because you could you could miss it if you blinked. Um and
1: it it definitely drove a lot
2: of buzz. I think it worked. Yeah, I, I think uh, the Michael B Jordan ad worked too, for the record. I don't think it was offensive.
0: Yeah, right. and I love the Reddit ad. I thought it was so creative and on brand for them to like hack the Super Bowl. I thought it was really
2: cool.
1: Yeah. yeah, And then it pushed people and to social, it, didn't it?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that was terrific. I, and I also think with the Alexa one, just to go back for a second, I mean, Amazon had to know that some people were going to be uh, offended by this, uh, you know, uh, and decided to go ahead with it anyway. And I, I think that's, that's the right thing with that. I think it, it worked. I think it was funny.
1: Yeah. Frank, uh, what about, we didn't have the Budweiser Clydesdales, but we did have Sam Adams sort of taking a rise out of them. Did you think that worked?
2: Yeah, it was pretty good. That was pretty good, yeah. It didn't okay. blow me away, but it was pretty good. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: And, Alison, what about the Oatley? Interesting ads. <laughs> the CEO sort of singing and playing playing his keyboard. Uh, very odd, wasn't it? Very yeah. Norwegian.
0: That one did not get good feedback from what I saw, um, both anecdotally and like on Twitter. Um, I Yeah, but it wasn't get... it
1: aiming for that. Wasn't it aiming to be deliberately bad, you know, and just to get sort of uh, to get people talking?
0: Yeah, I mean, they had those it T-shirts. It really
1: succeeded in that case.
0: Yeah, they had those T-shirts ready to sell. Like, I hated the only yeah. ad. Um, you know, there's that saying, "Any oh, press is good press. Um, I guess um, I saw a tweet that was like, this would have been so much better if they had, like, Lady Gaga unironically singing this song or something. And I <laughs> was like, maybe that could have worked. But, yeah. It was, it
1: was just- actually a really old ad from 2014. It was banned in Sweden for – um making statements about the dairy industry which has a very strong lobby over there so it was it was interesting how about Frank? And i don't
2: i don't know if you guys saw this but mdc did kind of an explainer on that oatly ad too and it's it's kind of interesting because you never see the agencies come out the week after and be like you know look this is what we were thinking behind this
1: mm. yeah yeah frank uh what do you think of the fiverr four seasons ads this is not not a hotel sort of trying to play into the Rudy Giuliani press conference.
2: That's terrific. It's it's great. It's it's playing off of real time marketing. It's it's one of those things that it, it cuts beyond politics because it's just, it's a cultural moment and it's it's so indefensibly laughable and bad that anybody in any brand can have fun with it and and good for them on that because that I think that really worked.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see that approach from them. Um, And then you have like Jeep trying to be in the middle and it's like that didn't work, (laughs) but maybe taking a side did. Um, for well, five.
1: yeah, I think it's easier for Fiverr, an upstart brand like that, to do it than than for a Jeep that wants to sell to everyone, you know. And yeah. uh, and on the motor companies, Allison GM did an interesting thing around Norway, didn't it? And with Will Ferrell, and that got um, got some reaction from Norway the next day, which I presumably was what they were trying to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I thought that had a nice. Um I mean, I personally, I think Will Ferrell is hysterical. So like I laugh at anything he's in, but um, I think that ad actually went over people's heads. Um, I don't think people understood like what Norway had to do with anything, but I did think it was cool that like they kind of punched back and got some more buzz about it in the next. What was Allison? what were, what were people upset
2: about with the Will Ferrell ad? Because I, I watched it the week before the Super Bowl and I, I just simply could not understand how this made anybody upset or. People just didn't take it as just being goofy.
0: I don't know. I mean, I didn't really get the sense that people were upset about it. I just think maybe they they didn't understand it, but maybe I'm I've missed something there.
1: No, I think I agree with you, Alison. It was all it was all about electric cars, which you know GM has stated they're going to go combustion engine free by 2035, and they were trying to say. Uh, we need to get ahead of Norway because they're, they're ahead on that electronic vehicle. But I just think it's too complicated, too complicated a concept yeah. to get I also, over in a, in a short ad.
0: I also think um, people were like, Oh, it's classic insensitive Americans to think that you're like in Norway, but you're really in Sweden and like that kind yeah. of humor. I don't know. Yeah. But they were making fun of that.
2: That was, that yeah. was what I never got about that they were, they were making fun of that stereotype in the ad. Right. Maybe that got lost on people.
1: There's another type of ad where you know you just like yeah I'm going to go and buy some of them. So the Microban, which actually is a P&G brand, I didn't didn't realise that's a relatively new brand I think. That's the sanitizer for door handles, and uh, you could think yeah we need some of those, you know. And, mm-hmm. and apparently sales really did sort of spike in in the uh, days afterwards. Um, and and even the Sasquatch, did you go out and buy some Sasquatch soap, Frank?
2: No, I did not. Uh maybe the next time I go to the store.
1: Yeah, people didn't watched.
0: like people didn't like that one.
1: Did you get emotional Frank when they brought Vince Lombardi back to life?
2: Oh, that was terrible. That was such a that was such a bad spot. Like because uh I think most people who watch football, some of which watch the Super Bowl, as would tell you that that hologram sounded absolutely nothing like Vince Lombardi. <laughs> and it was just holograms are bad. You know, don't don't do holograms. You know, there was like the, the Kardashian hologram and then Kim and Kanye split up. Don't do holograms. It's just yeah. it's bad news.
1: There was an English footballer called, well, Rob, well, he's Irish actually, Robbie Keane, he, who sold his house when he moved clubs uh, from Leeds. And he had a hologram of himself in his house and they just couldn't get rid of it. It was like, it was terrible. Anyway. I, 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 I don't have to
2: that. look that up. That, that <laughs> sounds like a great story. I, I have
1: to look it um, up. What about um, Uber Eats, Wayne's World, Cardi B, Alison? Did that do it for you? Interesting uh, combination.
0: Yeah, I thought it was funny. I thought it was, um, I mean, again, love Cardi B. So she's one of my like, I'm always going to be like, yes, when I see her. Um, But I think it was actually really cool that they like brought um, a TikTok dance into the TV spot, which is just goes to show you like where creativity is starting these days and like where creative ideas are coming from. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And finally, Frank, NFL—they did, a, you know, an ad with showing players taking a knee, etc. Did that? Did that great a little bit? Given, the, you know, how they were approaching that issue a couple of years ago.
2: Yeah, I, I look. I they're trying to. The NFL is an association, as an as in a business, they're they're trying to be on both sides of this issue. And I think that most people who closely followed everything that went on with with Colin Kaepernick. I mean, feel that uh a lot of of these statements are are disingenuous. I mean, it's it, it's really difficult to take them as being sincere on this issue when you have the you know, Kansas City Chiefs are coming out of the locker room and you know, the the noise of like the Tomahawk Chop is playing. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's really it's really hard to take the NFL seriously as an organization that that has its heart in this when you see stuff like that happening. I agree with yeah. you. That,
0: that was I'll egregious. Be a, I'll be a little more blunt. Um <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think it was absolutely hypocritical and a case study in how to not be authentic as a brand. <laughs> like yeah. just you gotta live by your actions. There's so much talk about um, you know, living up to your corporate messaging. And that was just clearly a miss.
1: Yeah, I mean, we saw Roger Goodell do that sort of apology, didn't we, a few months ago in his basement and then sort of that signaled the change in attitude at the NFL. It's going to be interesting when they go back to having full crowds in the stadiums. That's all I'm going to say um, on those issues. But though that that's not going to go away, the whole controversy around that. Just to, to wrap the Super Bowl, Alison, the numbers were down, weren't they? The TV viewing numbers, although it was a record year for streaming, not surprisingly, again, you know, second screen sort of um, action and, and what have you, the way younger people consume media, but what what, what we should take away from the, the data and the analytics.
0: Yeah, um, I was actually a little surprised that the ratings were down because I kind of had this theory that, you know, maybe if everyone's home, there's more TVs on, um, less like communal viewing. But it doesn't surprise me that the streaming numbers went up because I think just, I mean, just look at the numbers. So many people are cutting the cord every day and just not even – having cable so it makes sense that um, you know more people are streaming games like this and I do think slowly but surely the world of live sports will go to streaming
2: yeah, yeah the general become- numbers though are are puzzling a lot of people I mean a lot of I, I mean there are a lot of people who follow this space carefully who are just really surprised that the general ratings have been down this much
0: i mean maybe it just goes to show you that people really watch this game for the party and like the communal aspect and like if you're just home by yourself it's not worth it
1: i don't know I think you're right, Alison. The the lack of watch parties, I think, was a big part of that. I think one of the second highest rated shows was something on PBS. So it was uh, people would, you know, those who weren't into it were definitely looking for other things to watch. So, yeah, interesting stuff. All right, let's move on. Uh, Frank, Clubhouse, everyone's talking about it. No doubt you're a big fan. Are you on? Are you a member? I'm not
2: on it yet. And no, I'm not on it yet because I here's my take on Clubhouse. I need a social media or a new technology to sort of make the case to me as a customer about why it's worth my time, and I'm curious about Clubhouse, but I'm not quite there yet.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's like an audio social network, and uh, you sort yeah. of go in there, and you have to you go into you can go into rooms. There's lots of presentations. You can have private rooms. You can have topics, discussions on anything under the universe, and, and it's all happening there. And it just seems to have. It's been going a year almost, and it just seems to have really taken off the last couple of weeks. With Elon Musk interviewing the Robin Hood CEO last week, and then Martin Zuckerberg came on, and there's just been a massive amount of buzz around it. Although it actually, actually, the servers went down uh, last night, and we're talking on Thursday, and uh, the whole thing was offline for a few hours. So I guess that's yeah, a that seems sign- to be sign of growing
0: things
2: yeah yeah. that seems to be an issue with it from what i've read yeah
1: Yeah, so it's something we're we're testing out allison have you i see you've joined up
0: yeah i joined it last night (laughs) finally um (laughs) i haven't done much exploring in it but it does seem pretty cool and like it has a good um user experience which is i think key for you know social media platforms um i did i did sort of remember though like As I was looking at the logo for it, like, it's just some like, dude, like, I don't know, I feel like it's like, because it started off as the Silicon Valley bro app. And like, maybe, I don't know, maybe now that it's more mainstream, they got to update their logo. (laughs)
1: Actually, they did the other day, but they just changed it to another dude. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: so, yeah, I think they are going to keep changing that. It is a very diverse environment. Uh, it, uh, it's at that nice stage where the toxicity hasn't taken over, if you like. You know, we're, we've all seen what's happened on Facebook and Twitter and other places. So it's, it's in that nice spot at the moment, how long that will remain. I mean, China, It was really, it's really popular in Asia, but China has banned it already because there were – You know, people were having conversations that the the communist government wasn't happy about, which is a shame. So it's very global. And um, we've uh, we've launched a thing called the Marcom's Club on Monday evenings at 7 p.m. So we had a chat about the Super Bowl for the first show on Monday and we're talking about Clubhouse and brands this Monday on the 14th. So do check that out at 7 Eastern. Um, I guess that's the uh, the big thing, isn't it? How about brands going to play in that space, Alison?
0: Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I mean, they're definitely I I'm, I say definitely. I don't know. I haven't talked to them. I'm assuming that they're going to launch. No they, some sort
1: of, no, they definitely are, yeah.
0: Yeah, some sort of paid media offering um and yeah, I mean, I think it's I think anytime that there's consumer interest in a platform, like brands are going to be there shortly after and I'm sure there are some on there already doing interesting things. So, um but at the same time, you know, when advertisers start coming onto a platform it's it's it changes it yeah yeah Yeah. it changes it and you know the the value prop becomes more about serving the advertiser than the consumer so we'll we'll see um what that does
1: no they're they're literally flying the plane while they're they're building the engine at the moment they they, the founders you can hear the founders every sunday at 12 eastern and during the week they're still on there and they talk about the updates it's it's a really nice atmosphere um, and we're, our session on Monday will talk about Clubhouse and brands. Should mention that Twitter has Twitter Spaces, that's in beta, and that's a similar service. And fa- Facebook's announced that they're going to do a copycat, which they seem to copy everything that everybody else does. So whether they'll be able to replicate the the vibe on Clubhouse, we'll see. But and there are some other services out there as well. So it's to, audio social networking is definitely a trend. I I really enjoy it. I must admit, at the moment, it's good fun. So uh, we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah, go
0: on, Alison. I was just say I'm curious how like once once the vaccine is out and we're all back out in the world, how much time people will have for for an app like Clubhouse or or uh, all these platforms.
1: Actually, that's a really good point. I think it launched last March, and I think it was perfect for the times. You know, people are stuck at home. And looking for things to do. So that's a great point. Um, The the, the only thing is about audio. You can listen to it while you're out jogging, whether you're training, when you're driving. So you can multitask, whereas you can't with video. So um, there is that element to it. But yeah, definitely worth checking out if you haven't already. Um, it's results season, Frank. Uh, Interpublic Group released theirs this week, as did Anero, the Australian holding company, which numbers Hotwire amongst their agencies. What's, what are we finding? These are Q4, but also the full year results. So very interesting uh, bellwether.
2: Yeah, let's uh, let's talk about IPG. First, And uh, because they have some of the best known agencies uh, in the industry, whether that's Weber Shanwick uh, or Golan. Uh, so the CEO of Dextra, which you might remember from last October, is the former constituency management group within uh, Interpublic Group. Uh so um that includes all of the same agencies and the PR firms in that are down mid single digits compared to last year. That outperforms the group in general, but it also outperforms the other Dextra agencies in general, uh which were down about 15% uh in Q4. Um, a lot of that makes sense because those are events firms for the most part. And when you think about when a lot of big events would take place, you you tend to put them in Q4. Uh, so you could see those other types of agencies having a huge drop in the quarter, and PR outperforming them for sure.
1: In events and sports marketing, which have both been heavily hit by the pandemic. That, um, yeah, for sure. And then just quickly, Enero, a smaller group, but it has uh, agencies like Frank and Hotwire.
2: Yeah, Anero, um, and this was reported by our colleagues, uh, over at PR Week UK, uh, but they reported a 2% revenue increase, uh, in the first half of their fiscal 21, including a strong first half, uh, for Hotwire and what they called maintained revenue, Frank. I think a lot of our readers are probably more familiar with Hotwire as a, a you know, a tech, uh, very strong and technology shop. Um, so, so that's good news again on the, the PR agency front in that there's a slight increase, uh, in the first half of their fiscal year there.
1: It's a good name for an agency though, isn't it? Don't you think? Frank? In Nero? Oh no, yeah, no, I'm Frank's a Frank. great, yeah. <laughs> we make hot sauce too. Alison, <laughs> <laughs> um, you picked up on the fact that, uh, some of the CEO's comments in your commentary.
0: Yeah. um, So for IPG, what was interesting is that, um, and this has sort of been the trend for the past few years, like media, the media agencies are driving growth. Um, Axiom is sort of uh, winning pitches, I think, um, having that data offering at the center. Although, you Know, I have my thoughts if you want to check out some of my past blogs. No, about, it's a very
1: good blog, actually. It's well worth checking out that. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah,
0: blog. about the risks of owning these companies. Um, mm-hmm. one thing that stood out to me in all of the holding companies' earnings, which I think will be maybe my next blog, <laughs> is um, <laughs> healthcare practices. Like, everyone's launching a healthcare practice, and it's no surprise, right? Like, such a big focus for everyone right now, and the industry is changing so much. So, um, I think that's that's a that's a big one to look at too. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Obviously, that did that was a strong area last year, and we saw with Edelman, I think healthcare is about twenty five percent of their revenues now, which is uh, it's, that's a big number. So, Frank, tell us about David Hogg, our communicator of the year from a couple of years ago. He's gone into the pillow business.
2: Yeah, and uh, he is promising everybody it's not just the joke that he's playing on social media. So, if you're, if you're an avid follower of the pillow space, you know that uh, there's this guy named Mike Lindell, and you might know him as the My Pillow Guy. That's how he's often referred to on social media as the My Pillow Guy. Uh he likes conspiracy theories about the twenty twenty election. And uh you may have seen pictures of him uh entering the White House uh maybe about a month ago with like a binder full of papers about declaring martial law and stuff like that, right? So that's the my pillow guy. And David Hogg, who is our communicator of the year and a well-known uh gun control activist, is promising to launch a alternative to my pillow. Um, so he talked to our own uh, Diana Bradley the other day and walked through the marketing about it. And he wants to build this as sort of a product that shows it's possible to do good and help people get a better night's sleep. So he wants to do good and make a better product. Uh, he's talking about trying to doing the manufacturing of the product with union jobs, perhaps even people who were incarcerated in the past and he also mentioned talking about making the company as ethical as possible, but getting beyond what he called performative statements. And he likened that to companies that just slap a rainbow sticker on things every June, but don't actually do anything to support, you know, their LGBT employees or the LGBT community. Yeah. Um So, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this because it, it will be interesting to see. Is he going to go through with this for sure? Uh Yeah, he's, he's got, got some power to roll with it.
1: He, yeah. He's not the major sort of operative person. I think he's more of a front person for it. But, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see that. Let's uh, quickly talk about uh, social media. Wendy's and Weetabix, uh, some interesting social activations this week.
2: I, I think you should tell our listeners first what Weedabix is, though.
1: Well, it's a British breakfast cereal. Um, you, If you can eat – if you have your Weedabix in the morning, it sets you up for the day, apparently. If you can eat uh, three – you're you're probably a, a big sports person. They used to have this ad with famous sports people on who could you know eat three wheat bits, and obviously it helped them sell more wheat bits because you finished the product more. So yeah, but uh, they've been suggesting you put baked beans on on. Which, uh, I see. It's, it, it feels it's like a lot a, of not a combination I've tried myself.
2: It feels like a lot of carbs, um, which, yes. you know, that's great uh, if that's your
1: thing. We're not, we're not joking. Well, people cold. Based on it's your cold diet. in New you, York, Frank. You need a hearty breakfast. There you go. There you go. So um,
2: anyway, this this went viral, this combination of weedabix and, and baked beans, and it became a meme. And uh, this is where it sort of lost me because I I don't really get the popularity of this. Uh, but a lot of brands have been joining in since then. A lot of comedians uh, and a lot of other public figures. And, uh, you know, a combination of making fun of it. There's Domino's Pizza UK is then talking about, uh, you know, how it's no longer the pineapple on pizza. Look, that's also a bad combination. Uh, yeah. It's no longer the worst food combo. Here's a funny one. Tinder UK says, trust us, this is not a match. And that's that's funny. I agree with that. It's that's a,
1: it's a classic example of brands weighing in on social, isn't it? And you, you know, we all have. They're all trying it, and it can be risky, but it can be a bit of fun. This one seems to be generally just fun, doesn't it? I I did a slight bit of research
2: in it. I think for our American listeners, I think this is it's like an equivalent of Wheat Thins, uh, not Wheat thin, um, uh, like the the mini weeds, right? But not frosted, not frosted.
1: No. And- indeed and what about wendy's
2: today is national roast day and you know wendy's this is what they're good at they're they're out there roasting uh anybody and everybody and do it pretty well too um
1: they roasted us uh, they?
2: they did we asked them to to be fair we <laughs> yeah. asked them to so we we deserve what we got but uh, no other company uh, is safe. They work with Ketchum and Ketchum. In, in, uh, so as of a couple of years ago, I remember this from doing an interview with them, but Ketchum does not necessarily work on all of their social media in a really hands-on way, but they do collaborate with them uh, in some ways. So let's, uh, let's all keep an eye on Wendy's and see what our, uh, our favorite roast is and what gets the
1: most attention. Yeah, definitely. Very quickly, Alison, cause we're running long. Um, Social media obviously spans creative and PR and other disciplines as well, isn't it? Doesn't it? So it could come out of a creative firm, a PR firm or from wherever or just within the brand.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Campaign UK it was all over the Weetabix thing.
1: Um, <laughs> well, to be fair, they picked that up from PR Week. Just to, all right,
0: fair enough. Fair give, enough. Our,
1: give our PR Week colleagues the credit there.
0: PR Week UK, then. Um, we I we do
1: we do share yeah. our content sometimes, as you know.
0: <laughs> I was personally a little confused by it, being the uh, thick American that I am. But um, yeah. I guess uh, it's it's just like a gross combination, maybe <laughs> that got people yeah, a little exactly. up in arms. Yeah. No, but yeah, I think. Um, you know this idea of of brands weighing in on each other's content like we had a story after the Super Bowl about that um and i think just back to what i was saying about how um the cardi b and Wayne's world ad surfaced the tiktok dance like i think tweets can be surfaced in advertising and like all of these areas are fodder for for creative ideas and for advertising so um, it's really interesting, like to see you know brands like Wendy's just absolutely kill it on social. So I think that's yeah. a big part of their strategy.
2: Yeah, we can. But like, too, with Wendy's, that that yeah. I I love about Wendy's account is like they're snarky and they roast people, but they're never actually that mean. And and it's it's a good tone to have because they're not they're never too, uh you know they're not angry and they're they're it's a good tone.
1: It's definitely a very specific form of copywriting and a great skill and one that I think all communicators and marketers need to develop for sure yeah and we saw that with the uh, Pearl Gable who went from the you know powerless for what she did in New Jersey and got a, another job on the back of that so yeah interesting stuff just to finish Frank the indoctrination, please update us on how that went
2: it went really well for uh shelter dogs in the state of Delaware so uh you know proud we are of all of them uh, yeah. the inauguration raised more than $200,000 for the Delaware Humane Association from 12,000 individual donors and more than 800 dogs were nominated to be Secretary of Rescue Dogs. No word on uh, what kind of odds they face for. Approval, uh, from the 50-50 Senate at this point. You can hear people groaning as I make a joke. Approval. Uh, it was also the number 19 trending topic on Twitter in the U.S., so good, good for them on that. Uh, you know, people love campaigns that, that benefit dogs. And by the way, if you've seen the videos of the new dogs, uh, at the White House, and I, I love German Shepherds, I love large dogs. Uh, it's great. They look they look happy. They look healthy. So it's yeah. major
1: Biden, isn't it? One of them. One of the dogs. And uh...
2: yes, one of the dogs is, is named major. Yes.
1: Yeah. And okay. and
2: he's he's the one that is the, the shelter pup.
1: Yes, indeed. Uh, nice dog-related story to end. Um, thank you, Alison, for joining us. Great to have you on the show. And, Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, no, it's an absolute pleasure. i looking forward to hearing Campaign Chemistry, the campaign yeah. podcast. Bit of competition for us. So, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to that. Thank you, Frank. Uh, always a pleasure. Um, don't forget it's um, uh, our Clubhouse event on Monday, um, the 15th at 7pm Eastern, uh, all about brands on Clubhouse. The PR week award ceremony is going to be virtual again but it's on march the 18th it's still the biggest night in show business the oscars of the pr industry so do get your ticket for that brand film awards so we talked about it earlier real buzz around it this year and uh, the first deadline for that is next um, next week. It's on the 18th. So make sure you've got your submissions in for that. Now, if you haven't put your agency in for the agency business report yet, please get on that because uh, we are gathering submissions. But that's all we've got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the PR Week. To find more episodes, visit PRWeek.com.